Welcome to the Kansas Reflector Podcast. I'm Editor Sherman Smith. YWCA of Northeast Kansas is tackling the issue of racial justice through a community-wide collaboration. The Racial Justice Challenge is designed to build more effective social justice habits, particularly those dealing with issues of race, power, privilege, and leadership. Joining us to talk about this important work are Rome Isom, Racial Justice Program and Training Coordinator, and Allison Marker, Director of Community Engagement for the YWCA of Northeast Kansas. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us, Sherman. Thanks so much for having us. Let's talk about the Racial Justice Challenge and um, what what is this all about, Rome? It is definitely about bringing more awareness to the community to kind of deepen, deepening our understanding collectively on these issues so that we can come together to better serve one another. In my opinion, I think a lot of, of our understandings at time can be wrapped around our own perspectives and our own worldviews. So this challenge gives us an opportunity to see things from others' worldview as well. Very good. Uh, Allison? Yeah, I think Rome put that really beautifully. I would just add... You know, it's it's about coming together as a community to have some really crucial conversations, learning from various perspectives, and understanding that we're all sort of in different places on our social justice journey or understanding. And so the hope of this challenge is that whether, you know, you are still maybe learning about what you're unpacking your own biases, you're unpacking your identity, or you are um, unpacking privilege and understanding what those terms mean. Or you are a seasoned activist advocate who already knows how to speak truth to power and is holding people accountable, Um, that there's something for everyone in this challenge and that together we're going to learn, we're going to unlearn, and we're going to hear from a wide variety of perspectives in order to f- feel more comfortable taking action and ha- you know have a better understanding about these issues. This is a, an annual event, right? Part of a national movement? Yeah, that's right. So this is our third year holding the challenge, this virtual challenge. Um, we do this in conjunction with close to over 200 YWCAs from across mm-hmm. the country. Uh, in our first year in 2020, we had over 23,000 people from hundreds of different zip codes across the country participate. Mm-hmm. This year, YWCA USA actually already held their challenge just this last month from April to mid-April to mid-May. Um, we decided timing-wise that the month of June would work really well for this community. We've really put a focus on the greater Topeka community in Northeast Kansas area, but we have had folks from across the state of Kansas participate with us in, in years past. Part of this in, involves a, a smartphone app. There'll be weekly discussions, uh, a panel at the Topeka Library. Talk about that, that lineup. Yeah, so actually um, we're using a new app this year called Mighty Networks. But folks can um, easily download the app by going to the App Store, either on their Android or iPhone device, and simply typing in YWCA, and you should be able to find it right there at the top called Racial Justice Challenge. And uh, so you can do it from your phone, you can do it from your desktop, either way works. And then, yeah, we're really looking forward to kicking everything off on Thursday, 
June 1st at the Topeka and Shawnee County Public Library. We have um, some really great panelists that will be joining us, moderated by our very own Sherman Smith. <laughs> I'll be there. You know, Romain, I think part of what we're talking about here is is making people uncomfortable in a good way. Do you think that's a fair description of what, what some of this does? Absolutely. Um, I feel like when you're uncomfortable, you're open to learn more. And like Allison talked about earlier, unlearning some things that we don't quite recognize that we that are innate in us or not innate, but they're more like um, we were taught. This was learned behavior or learned mindsets or thoughts and perspectives. And so with this challenge, we're like, okay, maybe we can take a different perspective because we want to grow. Uh, we want to learn more. We want to see what our community sees um, as indifference and injustices. So I do believe that it's very important for us to get uncomfortable around these issues so that we can expand our knowledge. Is there an example of a, a learned behavior that maybe somebody doesn't even realize that, that they have? Well, excuse me, there's plenty of examples of learned behavior, but I would like to kind of Talk maybe more about something like privilege, as Allison was speaking about. Mm -hmm. Sure. Even as far as if we wanted to take the everyday walk around our neighborhood, the width of our sidewalks. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that when it comes to our... Um, Just our daily lives, the environment that we're in. Yes. Um, so without reference to maybe our community folks that are in wheelchairs or have accessibility mm -hmm. issues, we don't... Think about those in our everyday lives if we don't have that um, that barrier or that obstacle. It's very, very interesting. This is part of uh, the broader mission of the YWCA of Northeast Kansas, right? How does this fit in? This fits in several different ways. Um, but the one obviously standing out is trying to our attempt to eliminating racism. And our attempt to eliminating racism is to kind of just shed light on our thoughts, our implicit biases, and and other things that. Um... Allison, what are, what are some of the other examples of the work that that the YWCA does? Yeah, so we've actually been in the Topeka community for 135 years, and nationwide for I think over 160 years, but. Our mission, eliminating racism, empowering women, and promoting peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all, um, plays out in YWCAs across the country in many different ways. So for us, that means meeting the needs of survivors in our community. It means providing safe and affordable child care for families. And it means providing meaningful community conversations and dialogues like this challenge, like the Racism 101 trainings that Romay and others in our staff provide to community members, uh, our Racial Justice Book Club. Um, so for us, you know, our mission is really bold. And I think to pretend that we are going to achieve our mission in our lifetime is absolutely naive. But we have to start somewhere. And I think part of that is coming to better understanding and becoming more open um, to being vulnerable, you know, in a space where we can really talk about how these issues play out and affect community members. 
One of the things about this particular challenge is that you're not doing this alone. You have a number of community partners, right? Yeah, that's right. So the Topeka and Shawnee County Public Library has been an essential partner in this challenge over the last three years. They help us facilitate uh, online Zoom conversations uh, with participants. We'll be holding the, the event there. They always help folks who are maybe in need of um, technical assistance. So libraries, libraries across the country really have been um, a really natural fit and natural partner for YWCA's doing this work. Um, we also partner with a number of local corporations who see this as a really great exercise for their staff to get educated and have crucial conversations within the workplace about how these different issues play out. Um, and then we also partner with a number of statewide and local advocacy groups. So um, the League of Women Voters, um, I can't say necessarily other groups right now, but every year we find a lot of mission-aligned organizations that get their members to be on board and they help us spread the word. So it's it's more than just a YWCA program. We really want this to be sort of a grassroots community program. Yeah. Romay, would you say the the feedback that you're getting from these community partners, it's it's positive, right? Nobody's complaining about diversity training, those kind of political issues that we hear sometimes over at the state house. No, I have not gotten any negative feedback about the challenge at all. In fact, um, I've had to I've had the opportunity to kind of clarify what the challenge is going to be like. Um, I've had the chance to kind of go through a little bit of the material, um, what they could expect and different things like that. So I've kind of gathered a lot of interest around what the challenge is going to be like. What are some of the things that you hope to accomplish by doing this in, in Topeka and the surrounding areas, Romay? Um, one of the things that I would hope to accomplish is more of a unified understanding. Um, of course, like Allison said, we're not going to understand and then we're not even going to fulfill our mission at the YWCA in this lifetime. But just to garner um, or gather more um, understanding of one another, so more of a unified community front. And as she said earlier, we'll make this more of a grassroots program and not just a YWCA push annually. Yeah, that being said, I think we do want this to also be a platform to jump off and jump into taking a deeper dive into some of these issues. We hope that people who participate in the challenge remain involved with YWCA's mission through our wide variety of programmings or that they become volunteers. One of the things that we know that is essential for us to be working on right now is declaring racism as a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. um, so with YWCA's across the country, we're actually going to be pushing for that at the federal level. There is now um, a bill that is has been put forth in Congress, um, but we're also going to be really working to make that uh, a real groundswell in the greater Topeka community to get racism declared a public health crisis here in Topeka. But if there are folks who are participating from other parts of the state of Kansas, 
we hope that maybe this is information that they can take back to their communities as well to move that work forward. This is a month-long uh, series of discussions, but the, the conversation doesn't stop there. The, the idea is that it, it just starts the discussion, I think. Absolutely. So there are kind of four focal points as part of this challenge. I think um, each week of June, we'll, we'll focus on disability, housing, music, and mental health. So I'd like to, to talk about each of these. Um, let's, we'll start with disability in the first week. What are the, the racial justice issues um, involving disability? Rome? Well, we start, that, so the challenge starts speaking on eugenics. Mm. Um, and I could appreciate why the challenge begins with the, the, um, the conversation about eugenics because it then traces back to a racist connotation. Um, and so that we're able to understand the barriers that those, that those people went through when eugenics was a big thing in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes further into, let's see, autonomy. The autonomy um, that folk have as far as their rights are concerned and how they were had, had to advocate for themselves and how they were ignored or pushed off. I'll just jump in and say that one of the things I really like about this challenge and one of the things I really like about the the week on disability rights is learning a lot of the history. Quite honestly, reviewing some of the materials, it really showed for me um, some places that I had total ignorance on the disability rights movement, how the ADA got passed. So this challenge um, works on that, but we're also going to go over sort of um, how disability rights is playing out in the present day. So um, one of the huge exercises that I think will be really popular and really important to talk about is uh, this um disability checklist. So you can go through a checklist and sort of determine sort of your level of privilege or level of disability based off of this checklist. And it really, if you are uh, an able-bodied or able-minded person, it, it really helps you to reflect on just some of the everyday privileges that you may take for granted and maybe help shine a light on how we can create a better environment and better community for disabled folks to better thrive and not be so marginalized. You, know, you talked about um, the the health emergency that's associated with with racial justice. One of the topics here is is housing, and I know that I think there's a greater awareness now that the the number one indicator of your life expectancy is your zip code. Right. I imagine that this is an issue in Topeka as well. Yes, absolutely. Six 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 zero four zip code in uh, Topeka, Kansas, I believe, has the highest maternal mortality rate in the state of Kansas. Yeah. So this is a an issue that um, really hits home for us. Um, and and housing we know is a hot button issue across the state of Kansas, right? We've seen that play out in the legislature this last year, just about should we criminalize homelessness? Um, so there's some real opportunities, I think, for us as Kansans to have a real dialogue around how do we create 
safe, affordable, accessible housing for folks. And to have the same opportunities for everybody. Yeah. Romay, what are your thoughts on, on the housing challenges that we have? Going back to um, racism as a public health crisis, and we're speaking about the, um, the infant mortality rate, to me, it speaks volumes. Um, because you don't, you have families that are kind of suffering because they're having to kind of pack into housing. They're kind, they're having to share beds. They're having to um, do things that more privileged folk don't have to do. And then in turn, it makes living situations dangerous. It makes living situations unsafe. Mm -hmm. And then when they're trying to move forward and move into um, better housing, they don't have the the um, the resources that others may have because a lot of times it is because of race or because of disadvantages and it's not an equitable um situation for a lot of folks of color um in order to move forward actually i don't know if this is a good thing to share but even in my own situation mm -hmm. we're able to kind of um be put in a better situation with habitat for humanity um, my husband and I have five children, and with with our living wages, we we couldn't afford a house um, mm -hmm. with our five children. But we were chosen, and they're building us a house currently. That in um, without their help, we may have never been able to afford a house that could house our our children appropriately in this lifetime. And this will have lifelong implications for for your children, for, for other children in the community, depending on their circumstance. I mean, it, this shapes so many outcomes for mm -hmm. us. Yes, absolutely. It changes their worldview overall. Let's pivot to music, one of the other topics here. How, do, how does this play out in music in Topeka? I would say that the, on the music scene from this perspective, it gives, music is art. Mm -hmm. And if you take the art from the artist and you make it your own, um, you take away their voice. Mm -hmm. And you see that a lot um, as far as music is concerned. You take their voice away and you make it your own. So therefore you're speaking for a person. Um, you're taking away their autonomy in a in an odd way, or I would say a weird way. Um, and their ability to speak to matters like political matters or personal matters or all the intersections that we're talking about um, in the racial justice challenge through their art, through their expression. Um, and the history of music shows that we talk a little bit about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm -hmm. and how that comes from... Um, uh, black folk and them them speaking of their experiences and how that changed based on racism and based on their understanding of music and wanted to kind of make it uh, palatable for a broader audience. Awesome. Yeah, there's just a whole lot to unpack culturally in the week on music that I, I'm a bit of a music nerd myself, so I'm really excited for this week. But yeah, we, we've partnered with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on a lot of the content for the music week. Oh, and cool. um, so 
like Romain mentioned, uh, the, the cultural appropriation that has happened. I think that's become such a buzzword that people may have a misunderstanding about, but really centering it back around the importance of making sure that we're giving voice to, you know, the, the creators and the folks behind the thoughts and the music. So, um, one of the big profiles that we'll, we'll explore together is big mama Thornton, who, Mm. uh, is kind of known as the mother of rock and roll. Um, but in many ways for a long time was sort of in the shadows of all of that. And, um, overshadowed by some some men, white men. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know who's listening, tell us who Big Mama Thornton is. Uh, yeah, other than mother of rock and roll, I don't know <laughs> terribly too much. But I, didn't she um, write like, um, you ain't nothing but a hound dog? Is that her? If so. Okay. Yes. Which then became a obviously a very famous Elvis Presley song. So, um, mm-hmm. but together we're going to learn a lot about some really cool music artists um, from all kinds of different backgrounds. I had the the great fortune in in Chicago a few years ago to go to uh, the old Chess Records studio, and uh, it's a a fascinating place where where so much great music was made, and it's. It's interesting because you realize as part of the the learning experience there that you have a group like the Rolling Stones who come to America, mm-hmm. having named themselves for a Muddy Waters classic, and the journalists here didn't know who Muddy Waters was, as they had to explain who, this is the person we named ourselves after, you know. White artists could get these opportunities, could get on TV, could sell a lot of records at a time when black artists could not, and the white artists were basically imitating the black artists. Yeah. The the final topic we have here is mental health. Rome, what what do we need to know about the racial justice challenges with mental health? Mental health it it's like we talked about the broad issue of music. Mental health for me like it kind of encompasses all yeah. of the all of the themes for the racial justice challenge. Um because you can you can see why how disability could affect mental health, housing could affect mental health, and then we talked a little bit about the cultural appropriation and how music could be an outlet um, for a lot of different things and a lot of different uh, feelings and emotions, and how that is sometimes snatched and even almost used as a tool mm-hmm. against folk. Mm-hmm. Um, so mental health for the Topeka community is sometimes misunderstood, I believe, because we don't take, the community as a whole may not take the time to realize all of the intersections Mm -hmm. and um, different things that contribute to the mental health of a person. And even how, as a person of color, mental health is, it, it deepens, the issue of mental health deepens because of all of the obstacles and barriers and intersections that people of color deal with. Um, that are sometimes ignored. And so therefore, there's more things, more pressure um, piled on top of folk of color. So that's something that we definitely um, focus in on um, in the mental health, um, excuse me, in the racial justice challenge. Do we have enough resources for, for mental health care? I, personally, I do not believe that we have enough mental health resources in this community. No, we we see that play out firsthand in our direct services at YWCA, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, um, 
by the time we are seeing survivors or the the emotional mental toll that's taken on mothers and families that the the lack of resources the stigma um and just how it seems we are always in sort of triage mode we're not moving forward and what one of the things we love to talk about at YWCA a lot or is this concept of community care because people love to throw around the term self-care. Um, you can't self-care your way out of racial trauma, generational trauma. You can't self-care your way out of an abusive relationship. Um, what trauma we... experts talk about needing a support network around you. Exactly. Absolutely. So that's that concept of community care. We need robust social services and a safety net mm-hmm. for folks um, and and we need better prevention in order to be able to to have better better mental health. And then um, one of the other things we'll talk about during the mental health week is um, the mental health um, uh, issues specific to LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. folks. And I mean one of the most important things I think we'll we'll need to do during that is just acknowledge the mental health toll um, that has been experienced by LGBTQ plus folks in the state of Kansas just in this last year. (laughs) I've talked to mental health professionals who say like, if, if your leg was broken, everybody understands you need some sort of, of healthcare to address this broken leg. Mm Mm-hmm. When we have mental health challenges, we don't view it in the same way. You know, how how can you get people to uh, to acknowledge that you know these mental health ailments need this kind of treatment to to break through that stigma? I think a lot of that would be us as we do the racial justice challenge. We will address, or the racial justice challenge itself will address a lot of implicit biases mm-hmm. because we can see that a person's leg is broke. But maybe we don't give the same grace to a person with mental health with mental health um, barriers because we have implicit biases, and we we don't look to understand um, as deeply as we would if a person was hurt. Um, that would be the start. Yeah, um, something that I would say. Absolutely, no, and I think also um, being able to share. I think everyone has at one point in their life experienced some sort of mental health issue. You know, we've all experienced mental illness. And so um, being able to share vulnerably through the app, through community building, whether it's through one of our Zoom conversations or in the chat, um, we, we hope people can just come to a better understanding. You know, developing that empathy piece, I think, is a really important part in all of this. Absolutely. And I think just the Mighty Networks itself being the space for those vulnerable conversations Mm -hmm. um, and those transparent conversations gives us the room to see that we are not by ourselves, we're not alone, and that we're not the only ones with these thoughts or we're not the only ones that lack this knowledge. Right. I think that's a a good place for us to end on. Thank you both for being here and, and joining me on this conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us.